Hello there, friend, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mindset Podcast. As I mentioned in my previous episode, I really want to take um, I want to take this podcast to some new and expansive kind of new areas. And I want to go into areas that I think are not um, traditionally spoken about when we speak about money. And so today I am so incredibly honored to have my friend, mentor and guide be the very first guest on the Money Mindset podcast. So I have the beautiful Ariana Pinar. Welcome to the Money Mindset podcast. Uh, So good to be here with you, babe. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm like nervous. I'm all the different wonderful energies. Um, And you know, when I sort of sat and thought about, you know, expanding this this podcast and taking it to, to new heights, um, I knew that you would be such an incredible asset to, to talking about money from an energetic point of view. And, um, you know, the moment I sort of, you know, think about these things, people show up in my life and you are always that person that whenever I think about the energy of money, you always show up and you always show up with the exact topic that I want to talk about. And what I've been hearing you speak about that I get really excited about is emotional intelligence, because I really feel that it is such a key element when people delve into their money mindset, when they delve into taking that um, driver's seat into being more uh, proactive and more responsible with their money. So please tell us a bit about what is emotional intelligence and why is it so important for us to be aware of it? There was a very long period of time where people thought that IQ was the most important aspect of success. You know, if you had an a high IQ, then you were deemed to almost automatically be successful. But what we've come to realize over the last 20, 30 years is that our emotions govern all of our decisions. And the emotions that we experience, not only within ourselves, but how we experience it of the other is also a really big, uh, an important way for us to deem as to whether or not we will be successful. So let me elaborate on that a little bit. I'm sure that we can all resonate with working and having a boss or a manager who would fly off the handle and or be unpredictable in their moods. And if that is not something that you can relate to, maybe think about at school, Mm -hmm. if you had a teacher or something that was just a little bit all over the place think back to how that made you feel and think back to how the success of the team or the success of the project went because of that erratic moodiness. Yeah. Now, if you jump cut to a time in your life where you worked with someone who was aware of their emotions, someone who had great relationship building skills, someone who took into consideration the emotions and the feelings of other people. And now think about that project, that team, the success of that business. And you can very quickly see that in those two examples, be them 
be them as they may completely opposite to one another, they have very different outcomes, these two examples. And it's not necessarily because the manager in the one case versus the other is more intelligent. It's just that the manager in the latter experience is more emotional intelligence. And what happens is that we are emotional beings before we are intellectual beings. Mm -hmm. We can feel one another's energy much quicker, much easier than it is to understand someone intellectually. And you've heard the saying, uh, you will always remember how someone makes you feel over what they say to you. And this is a prime example of why and how emotional intelligence is so important because the manager in the latter example that I just gave is someone who is caring, who is uh, demonstrative in their, not only affection, but in their um, compassion. And we as emotional beings want to do more for and be more with those who have compassion and are caring. So we're, we're, we're an emotional being before we are an intellectual being. Yeah. So then is it about then us becoming then just more aware? Is emotional intelligence just being more uh, aware then of how those emotions are affecting then the thoughts? So because if it's led through the emotion and then the thought is charged by that emotion. And then the decision in how we respond to any kind of scenario isn't really um, one that puts us in a, in a position of making a decision from a uh, logical or from a um, does this decision make sense? It's more of a decision on how, is, how will this decision impact me emotionally, financially? Correct. So yeah. if you look at the emotions, uh, the, the fullness of an emotion, ball or a circle, it's divided into four quadrants. The first quadrant is self-awareness. And I would say that this is quite possibly the most important quadrant. Self-awareness is really about self-regulation, understanding yourself deeply and intimately to the point where you can sense the way that you're feeling and understand why you're feeling the way you do. And one of the questions that you can ask a lot when you're in this quadrant is why? Why do I react this way? Why do I feel this way? Why do I say these things when I'm triggered? Why, 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 why? And it's just a process of deep exploration into the self. Yeah. Yeah. And what would be, I guess, some guiding ways? Because I think that's something that is so important. That's something that I'm personally become so much more aware of self and of my thoughts. And I, I really try now to almost just watch my thoughts rather than think my thoughts, you know, and I'll just be like, oh, just observe them and just observe where they go and then kind of go, oh, oh, oh. it's going to a place where it can lead me into a path that then triggers the emotion, um, you know, and have like that emotional response within my body. And so, mm. yeah, I find that I love how you're talking about self-awareness because that is definitely an area that I feel as we've just continued to expand um, and the more we kind of work on that, you can kind of then start to go, oh, okay, so I'm thinking this more from a, from an ego place or from a place of judgment rather than from a, from a place of um, non-judgment and, and just allow that person to think the way they want to think, you know, like just observe it. It, you don't have to yeah. respond. You don't have to do something about it. You know, you can just, it can just be. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, you know, you spoke a little bit earlier about, uh, is it, you know, the thought or the emotion, which one actually comes first. And I, I think that they both work in tandem. So I feel like our thoughts are, uh, whether they're conscious or subconscious, are const, in constant motion, right? So we are always thinking thoughts. Even when you don't think you're thinking, you're actually thinking because the subconscious mind is creating uh, these little subliminal messages yeah. that come through all the time. And so there's that. And then there's the body that stores emotions. So you can have a thought and not really register the thought, but actually experience that thought processed in the body through these, you know, these, these chemical reactions that happen within the body. Yeah. And so there was a lot of work done by a professor in the, I think she was a professor or researcher in the eighties. Her name is Candace Perch. She wrote a book called the molecules of emotion. Mm. And um, she was just an incredible woman, particularly of that time and that era who discovered that your thoughts we know create chemical reactions and they make their way through the body. And those chemical reactions, if not processed correctly and in a way that is quote unquote productive um, or efficient, we will store those neuropeptides within our physical body and they may lodge themselves in the physical body. And so this is a lot of the work that you would also have learned through doing lessons in truth with yes. me. Like this is how we create these manifestations in the physical body, whether they be ailments or just discomfort within the physical body, because the idea with that is that you've had an emotional or you've had a thought that's created a chemical um, reaction in the body that we call an emotion, emotion, energy in motion. And what that's done is it's made its way throughout the body. And if we are not aware enough or we don't carve out enough space time in our lives to process these emotions and say, allow ourselves to cry, allow ourselves yeah. to move, allow ourselves to experience anger, frustration, guilt, whatever it is. Mm. If we suppress or repress those emotions, they lodge themselves in our physical body. Mm. And so, you know, sometimes going back to your question, is it the thought or the emotion first? Sometimes you may be in a situation and you don't even know what is happening, yet you feel your gut wrenching. You feel like you've just gotten a pang in your stomach and you think, oh, what is that from? And it could be that your body is responding to an external stimuli because it's been programmed in such a way or because the stimuli reminds your body of a certain time in your life that maybe you haven't necessarily processed or you've gone through a trauma that maybe you don't remember or, you know, there's so many ifs and so many ways in which we can interpret it. But is it the thought or is it the, is it the emotion first? Is it the chicken or the egg? Yeah. You know, I think because we are not linear beings, we, yeah. we are non-linear in so many different ways. And so, I think, you know, a very traditional way of looking at that is that, yes, we have a thought and then that thought creates an emotion and then that emotion generally drives our behavior. Yeah. So the two emotions that we would look at would be fear or love yeah. generally on, on the spectrum of emotions that the, the most densest emotion can be raveled up in raveled. It can be bound up in fear and the lightest emotion can be love. And everything that exists within that spectrum is an emotion that is either driving our behavior into, into fear-based states or into love-based. So when we start talking about this in relationship to money, yes. let's look at the way that our emotional intelligence can drive our behaviors. 
from a money perspective. Yes. So uh, let's consider for one moment that you are having an experience in your life of not enoughness. Mm-hmm. Relate? Yeah. You can all relate to this, right? So we're constantly trying to find things that are outside of ourselves in order to fill this hole within us because we feel that we're not enough. And maybe that was a programming that was, you know, instilled in us from childhood. Maybe it's something we picked up from our culture, uh, which we can, we can pick up this, these things all the time. You just look through a beauty magazine, for example, and you see how, you know, they airbrush everybody and all of a sudden your body's enough. Very simple example. And we can go into the deeper layers of what, and what not enoughness also means. But so let's use that example. Yeah. So you spend every little bit of money that you earn on trying to make your body look enough. Mm-hmm. And this desire is being driven by an emotional uh, charge of your not enoughness. You're trying to fill the hole with your purchases, knowing now that your enoughness doesn't come from Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. things you can purchase. It comes from deep within. Yeah. So emotional intelligence in this example could be really helpful because once you start to understand that your emotions are driving this purchasing behavior, you can stop, take a look at it. What is it that that's making me feel this not enoughness? And it may take a little bit of excavation. It may take a little bit of deep reflection for you to get to a point where you are, you know, being really honest with yourself as to the reasons why you're purchasing this way. But, but is emotional intelligence important when it comes to money? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Like no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because I find um, that uh, with a lot of the clients that I work with, actually, that a lot of that scarcity or um, the reasons they're, they're kind of pain points around money are, you know, they, they come to me because they're trying to make a decision about a future uh, decision that they need to make. And they're, you know, kind of, you know, in that place of stuckness or uncertainty because they're relating the, um, the decision that they're going to be making with money and attaching the emotion and the experience that they had as children and how money showed up with their parents. And they're kind of like almost in this place of stuckness because they haven't dealt with that emotion from the past. And they're trying to almost say, it'll be the same if I make, I'm going to make the same mistakes in, in financial decisions that my parents made. And I'm going to repeat that cycle and I don't want to. And so they stay in this kind of place of, of, um, I'm, they feel like they're stuck, but really they just haven't worked through, um, that, that old belief that, you know, I'm going to repeat the same mistakes because my parents did that because, because, you know, that financial decision then led to other, other, um, circumstances in our life. Um, so this is where, again, like why I, I love that you are, you know, explaining emotional intelligence because it is an area that we don't often, uh, relate when it comes to money, we just think, you know, oh no, we just make decisions about money. But so much of the decisions that we make around money are often going to be triggered by the emotions and by the experiences that we've had in the past. Yeah, hundred percent. And also, just to add on to what you said, was yeah. there's this term that Glennon Doyle has called pendulum parenting, yeah. and I think that we can also create this pendulum, um, 
you know, belief systems as well. We can look at, say, generational patterning or family or cultural belief systems. We can recognize what they are, observe them, make a decision that we don't want to actually do that for ourselves. And then we pendulum all the way to the other side sometimes, you know, and and maybe you grew up in a family that was quite frugal and didn't spend money. And then you realize all of this. And so you make a decision. You're never going to be like that. And the pendulum swings all the way to the other side. And so then you become quite frivolous, you know, and you start spending money left, right and center. So it is a delicate balance and it really is about self-regulation and understanding yourself on a deep, intimate level to the point where you can catch yourself in between those two extremes. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So good. And um, what would you say, because I know this was a really great episode and, and for anyone that's listening and wants to learn more about um energies you know and energy and emotional intelligence i know that uh this season on your podcast you're really diving deep into this subject so i highly recommend and encourage anyone that wants to learn more about emotional intelligence to go and listen to Ari's podcast um, because you had some really great um, tips around the fight, flight, freeze and you also added an- another one that normally people don't mention which is fright and i think fright is one that you know so many people are making those decisions and being very reactive to the fright of the current state of the world from a financial perspective. You know, when they hear about inflation, we don't understand it enough. And, um, you know, I I personally have learned a lot about inflation and there's so many, you know, kind of contradictive arguments for what causes inflation. And um, James Ricketts is uh, someone that kind of described it more in a psychological way of, of inflation is caused by our psychology and our feeling secure in having a lot and then feeling like, yeah, we can go out and spend. And then the moment we hit that fright or that, you know, we freeze that then we kind of go into the saving mode and, you know, we hoard the money instead because we think that, you know, um, we're saving for a rainy day. So I'd love to hear some of the the tips that, um, that I guess you you feel have worked for you and for the clients that I know you work with, with um, being able to recognize when we go into these different forms of uh, emotions of fight, flight, freeze, and, and fright, and what can we do, or what can what's something that someone can kind of do before they be react are reactive. Mm. You know, a lot of what we speak about in these conversations, they apply to every single element in our life. The way we relate to and with money is the same way we relate to and with the people in our lives. And we seem to think that money is this thing, (laughs) this, this tradable thing that, you know, is not alive and it is just a a mode of give and take kind of thing Absolutely. but it's alive and it's it's supporting us in ways that energetically you can't really see with the eyes but that you can feel so I want you just to first think about what does money actually represent to you yeah. what does it mean to you what value does it give to you because money a $50 bill is a $50 bill because we said it was a $50 bill. Yeah. That's it. That's the only, that's the only thing that makes it a $50 bill. An apple is an apple because we said it is an apple. Mm, 
Okay. But the value that we have with an apple is maybe we like its taste. Maybe we like its color, its texture. We value it at three o'clock instead of having a coffee. You know, we, every single person has got a different value on objects and, and money is no different. So what does money give to you? in terms of what does it represent for you? And a lot of people will say that it represents freedom for them. Mm. And then I go one step further and say, what does freedom mean to you? Mm. Oh, it means I don't have to work. It means that I can live off the grid. Maybe it means that I can just go traveling. Mm. Okay, take those things as an example or as examples and consider what would it mean what would it take for you to develop that sense of freedom without having to whatever it is? So let's say you want to travel, okay? And the idea of traveling with no money, like, I mean, of course nobody can, you can't travel without any money. I mean, right now nobody can travel. But anyway, um, the thing that I want, I always try and help my clients understand is that the only reason things are the way they are is because you made them so. Mm-hmm. So you can absolutely go traveling without any money. Yeah. There are so many different ways. In that one example, you could work for a travel company that pays you to go and travel and, you know, you have to do a certain amount of work while you're traveling. Um, and so therefore the money aspect in that example isn't what's valuable to you. The money is a, is a mode that helps you achieve the things that you want. When we start to understand ourselves deeply from a self-awareness point of view, and we start asking ourselves these questions, this is all self-study. Like, why is money important to me? What does it represent to me? Can I achieve that same state of being without money? Is there a way for me to create something that is important to me without having $50 bills in my hand. Yeah. So you can start to create your own world around these answers. Mm. And within those answers will come responses or reactions within you that will determine as to how you react to certain stimuli. So you may have a you know, a fight response mm. where it would be someone's listening to this right now and they're angry mm. right now at the thought of me saying mm. <laughs> that you do not need money to travel. She is ridiculously yeah. silly. How on earth could she say this? I can't believe I'm listening to this. So this is your, your, this is your, your response yeah. to this stimuli. And so what I'm going to suggest is when you, you find yourself in this reactive mode to something that's happening, and that can be in any way, shape or form in your life, that you stop, you pause, you, you separate yourself from the stimuli and you remove the emotional charge for as, as long as possible to help you settle and calm your nerves yeah. and then inquire deeper into how it is that that has caused such a response a reaction within me yeah yeah especially because I know that in one of your um, episodes you you kind of mentioned that you know the the first kind of emotional when we say you know what emotion comes up for you it's kind of like there's the surface uh, emotion and then there's like two other layers below it right so again yes I 100% agree because a lot of people like well why do you want money they're like well I want freedom it's like well what, what's what's below the freedom you know and a lot of the time when you really get to that deeper level you kind of go ah it's actually security or it's actually 
my time, you know, time on my terms that I really want. It's, it's not the freedom because we can all have that freedom. It's not the freedom you want. It's the security. It's the security to know that you can feed your family. It's the security to know that you can, you know, be taken care of. Um, yeah. So I love that. And I love, this is why, again, it's so important to, to, to have that self-awareness of what our emotional intelligence uh, is and to keep working on that emotional intelligence and just be, again, self-aware of, of those emotions that hop, pop up when we're making decisions mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because they will be such, I think, a driving force from us being, from us reacting, especially when, when right now, again, um, people are in such a state of what do I do with the savings that I have in my account? You know, I need to invest it and I don't know where to invest it. And they will make those rash decisions because they'll hear someone on social media talk about cryptocurrency and this thing going to 10K or whatever it might be. Um, and again, they, it's, if they understood emotional intelligence a little, just like a, a little bit better, they'd be able to kind of go, oh, hang on, I'm being triggered because this person's telling me I'm going to miss out on something. So I'm feeling a bit insecure about not winning or not being a part of and that's triggering me and, and then I feel like I need to go in and, and without actually understanding why I've even decided to make that decision in the first place. So, mm. yeah, it's so, so important. And this was very much part because I, I did lesson, the first round of Lessons in Truth and I am so excited that that you've chosen to, to do it again and, and open it up to more people um, because I knew that for me Lessons in Truth was going to be an investment uh, to understanding the energy, how my body responded to energy, and and then I every everything that I learnt through lessons in truth, then I kind of took as a way of remembering, as a way of understanding that emotional intelligence, then related relating from a money perspective. So tell me a bit more about lessons in truth for those that are like we're here like rambling about lessons in truth, but I'm <laughs> you explain it because yeah, it's I find that it's such a, a beautiful beautiful program to be part of yeah and you know just on that you mentioned belonging right this is the sense of belonging and and uh this one of the modules that we talk about in lessons in truth there's a very first module actually and it's really about our need our desire as human race to belong to one another Mm. and uh, how we don't only have a need to belong to one another but we actually have a deep desire to belong to ourselves and a lot of the times we walk through life being very disconnected from self and the first module is just really about coming back home coming back into yourself coming back into your body and understanding what that feels like from in in a visceral level but also what does that do to your life how does that affect your life? How does it change your life? How does it change your relationships? And as I said earlier, you know, our relationships don't only happen with people or animals. They happen with things. We relate to every single thing in this world. Yeah. We relate to our home. We relate to our car. We, re- we have a relationship with all of these things. And when we can flick that little switch in our minds and recognize that we are in relationship with everything in our experience, we start to experience life very differently. Yes. We start to experience it very differently. So Lessons in Truth is an energy medicine mentorship that is an energy medicine introduction, I suppose, to intuition and intuitive living. 
Yeah. It's about understanding how energy works from a theoretical standpoint, getting to know what energy runs through your body and how it runs through your body, what happens to the energy, where does it go? And it's often quite a mystical experience because people will quite often say that everything in their life changes and yet they've done nothing to make a change. Yeah. But there's the knowing and the understanding and the awareness of your energy that has a profound effect on your life yeah. because you start to regulate. Now we talk about emotional intelligence. Mm. Emotional intelligence is energy in motion intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's all one and the same Absolutely. thing. Yep. Yep. And so you can, if you want to become really clear on how to work with energy, you have to become really clear about how you manage your emotions. And you'll hardly hear me say manage emotions. It's more about witnessing, experiencing, allowing. And yes, to a certain degree, we do manage them because, you know, you don't want to have a temper tantrum in the middle of, um, of an important meeting, for example, mm. But you want to have an outlet to help you process that emotion. And that's where the energy medicine component comes in because we learn practices, rituals, and tools to help us dissipate and relieve any stagnation within the body yeah. from periods of time where you've had maybe a disconnect or something's happened in your life that you weren't able to actually process it in the moment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's yeah. what favorite takeaway from, from doing Lessons in Truth was to understand how that energy works and then also to and what I I think what I most took away from it was being able to recognize my triggers around that emotion energy but then also I felt like it gave me also the tools to to become my anchors so it's like ah there's the trigger I'd be able to like again with that self-awareness of there it is that's that thing showing up for me I'm in that archetype and then it's like okay so how do I move forward I can see it now so what can I lean into how can I use this energy how can I move that energy into a different place that is going to help me in some way in this situation so yeah I felt like lessons in truth I took away so many beautiful anchors um, yeah. that I can now use throughout my day-to-day -day when I'm being triggered by something I see online or triggered by a conversation with someone and I'm like, oh, that person like gave me such, you know, yucky vibes or whatever. And I can just be like, ah, oh, you know, you, it, it helped me with having those, um, yeah, just having the, the anchors to be able to recognise that and be able to go, ah, oh, how can I move forward with it? So, mm, and move through it, move through it. And you do it so gracefully because I think, you know, one of the things that you really loved about it was like the chanting and the breath work. And, yeah. and, and I know I've heard you speak about it so many times at how important those tools are. And I use them every single day of my life. I can't yeah. imagine my life without them. Yeah. Uh, such a gift to yeah. learn how to, um, move through those emotional experiences absolutely yeah. like yeah the chanting was definitely such a real wow for me because and and I still use it I still every time I feel like I have a big obstacle ahead of me I will do the om gum you know like that'll yeah. be my practice and it's not something that and that's again what I loved about uh, how you delivered lessons in truth it wasn't something to be like okay now we have to do this every single day of our lives it was my anchors my my come back into my practice come back into that practice when I feel need called to back to it. And so, yeah, learning those 
simple and easy tools that I can call into whenever I feel, you know, I have an obstacle around something. I, I've got the chanting. I, you know, I can go back to your beautiful playlists and and lean into the breath work that we learnt and learn, lean into, you know, the meditation, meditative practices. Uh, all of that is just, yeah, so, so important. And I think in the way that we are kind of evolving in the world, that is something that I think more and more people are going to feel called to learn um, because we want to be able to not be so reactive to, to, the, to the situations that life presents us, but be able to be reflective and then understand how to work through them. And then it's like, it's like the obstacle just kind of goes, oh, and you go, oh, mm. that's such a better way. We, we kind of dealt with that in such a more light way and, and not mm. be so responsive to when, you know, things show up or yeah. show up, you know, you can kind of yeah. go, oh, I, I respond differently now or I think differently to that now. And mm. I'm, not as, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not as emotionally charged by something some, someone said or the fact that someone had a different opinion to me on, on a particular matter. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Love it. Love, love, love. You're creating the space between the stimuli and the response, right? So it's really, really beautiful. And, um, and you know, you mentioned earlier on about we we get triggered into, like, thinking what should we do with our money? Like, where do we invest it? And I see this a lot, so much. I've experienced it myself. Like, you do feel those moments of of fear and fright like you're frightened for the what if and if you can create that white space I call it in between that response and taking action um yeah it's it's a much more enlightened way to live yes I love that it is Ari thank you so so much for this wonderful time and for being my very first um, guest on the Money Mindset podcast. Um, Exciting. How can people learn more? Tell us a little bit how they can find you and learn more about Lessons in Truth and learn about more about how to work with you. Yeah, so you can jump to my website. It's www.ariana, spelled A-R-I-A-N-N-A, dot com, dot A-U. And there's all information about the programs that I run on that website. So depending on when you're listening to this, there may be something else on there that you can just peruse and, and enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't recommend Lessons in Truth more, more you know, enough to anyone because, it yeah, it was really... Um, you know, I think when people say it was life changing, it was, it was more like life awareness than anything else. You know, it changed my life because I allowed it to, you know, because I took what it presented and I, I allowed it to continue and to be part of my continuation of life and my journey. So thank you so much for, for being here. And thank you so much for sharing your wonderful knowledge with the world and for showing up and for, just being that guidance and being that lighthouse for I know so many people. So thank you. Thank you, Zalyn. Ditto, 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 ditto. (laughs) Thank you. Wow.